0: Well, this is a, a special weekend for me because I'm actually not supposed to be here this morning. I'm actually supposed to be at Fort Sill um, working as a chaplain. I RST'd. Anybody that was in the military, you uh, you know what it is like to reschedule a training session. That's what I'm doing right now. So I, I, I should be at Fort Sill, but I'm so glad to be here with my church family. Uh, you know, a few years ago, whenever I went to the military, I really didn't know how to do anything in the military. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think the first time that I met my commander, I bowed to them, like as I was backing out of their office. They're a really, true story, true story. It was just I was super awkward, didn't know, wasn't in uniform, it was all right. But slowly, I, I began to put on the uniform and I, I, I figured out where to put everything, how, how to look right as a soldier, and I could, I could fool people okay? I I was a soldier, but I I really didn't know what I was doing, but I I could fool people. I I knew how to wear the uniform. But then then I I went to basic officer leadership course. (laughs) It's a 92-day course that challenges a a, a young officer in becoming a leader. That's that's where we we become leaders. And I remember trying to prepare for this course. It was... uh, I was I was nerve wracked. I I didn't know what I was doing. So the first my first step was to go on YouTube, <laughs> and I watched everything I could about becoming a, a chaplain candidate. What what a chaplain officer leadership course uh, uh, looks like. I, I watched hours upon hours of tape. Then I, I I began to open up and and read and memorize guidebooks, and and I I memorized. Uh, Army regulation and I did everything I knew how to do to try to give me the advantage. Because I wanted to prepare, I wanted to look like at least I knew what I was doing. But I remember so clearly and so distinctly the first night that I arrived at basic officer leadership course. It was time to lay out all my gear. And so I began to lay all my gear. I, I packed my rucksack. I had everything ready. I, I was ready because I, I remember it was so late at night, but I couldn't sleep. It was a 65-pound rucksack. I had all my gear, went through the checklist. I, I was kind of pacing in my room. I didn't know what to expect. I, I, I got up ready that morning, and I, I pulled something out like this. It, it's, um, for those of you that are not familiar, this is a rucksack right over here. Oh, it's really heavy. <clears throat> it, this is 65 pounds. It, it, has, um, it has my uh, ACH, my LBV. Hold on, I'm not used to doing this with a watch on. Okay. <laughs> it has um, plates in it, sappy plates. It has a, a water hydration system, sleep system in it. Uh, I know this doesn't look good, but this is just kind of how it goes. It's super heavy. I began to put it on and shift under the load because even though I knew how to look like a soldier with it on, I had a hard time moving like a soldier. Once I, 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 I put the weight on, I didn't look like a soldier anymore. I looked like a kid with a backpack on. You know what I mean? You know, like that 20 pound backpack and you're in elementary school and you're walking and the backpack's like dragging by your heels. I had things like, I didn't know where all the straps went. I didn't know how to wear it. I remember walking over to our formation line and standing there kind of dealing with it, you know, kind of messing around. I remember very clearly and distinctly, cause it was at night. And you know, well, it was early morning and I remember the lights hitting me in the face and a, a, a colonel comes up in front of our formation and he points his finger at us. Feel this, this is real heavy, isn't it? Well, hey, dude, you're supposed to be making me look good. A colonel points his finger at me and the whole formation. And he says these words and I'll, I'll never forget it. He says, give me all you have and I will make you a leader. <laughs> I didn't know what all meant. Like I had been studying Greek at the time and like the Greek definition of all is, what is it? It's all, yeah. <laughs> everything. And, and I, I didn't know what all meant for me to actually give it, but I was about to find out. Let me tell you something. I discovered where my limitations were. I found out how heavy 65 pounds is, not just to stand around with it, but to to begin to walk with it. I figured out how it swayed. I figured out how to adjust it so it fit right. I figured out how to, you know, how to hold it. I didn't know what it I I figured out how, how it felt, not just on the first mile but on the second mile. Because if you've ever worn one of these, you know that it, it feels different on that second mile, right? And then the third mile. And then, and then whenever you start getting off of the trail and start walking in the sand, you know what I'm talking about, man? You're laughing, you know what it is. And you get off the trail and you start walking in the sand and you start knowing what that feels like then. Then it's heavy and it's burdensome. And I realized something. I realized something, I was getting stronger. I, I, I realized that I could, I could begin to walk. <laughs> and I, I found out something that my commander taught me. Apparently you can run with these. Because <laughs> I was told to run and I said, I can't run. And he said, yes, you can and you will. I ran. As a matter of fact, anybody know what road guard is? We got some military folks in here. I was successful in trying to avoid road guard for the whole time until the field exercise where we had to run six miles out there. So for those of you that know road guard, I literally ran six miles, ran six miles with this thing on my back. It was crazy. But I found out I could do it. You know, it's, it's easy as Christians to look like a Christian, isn't it? say the Christian words and raise the Christian hands and hello brother, hello sister, how you doing? And smile for that hour and a half in church. But it's a a different kind of thing to put the weight on. It's a different kind of thing to actually start moving with the weight of the cross on your shoulders. Amen belongs there, Bill. (laughs) It's a different kind of thing to to actually know what it's like to move as a Christian throughout life and handle the good and the bad and quite honestly handle the ugly. And I need to get this thing off my back because it's heavy. (laughs) The thing is, is that you and I, have a similar calling. You see, Jesus said something very similar to what the colonel said to me. In Matthew chapter four, verse 18, Jesus is walking along the bank of Galilee and he finds two fishermen. And he says this, Matthew four, verse 18, and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brothers, listen, Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother. Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And watch what verse 19 says. A simple invitation. Then he said to them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Now, if we look at the context of this passage, of just that short verse We see verse 20, they immediately left their nets and followed after him. It was a simple invitation to two fishermen to follow this rabbi and they knew what it meant, to drop everything, give the rabbi all they had and do whatever he said, go wherever he said, sleep wherever he said, follow after him. That's that's what that means. It's not hard, it's not confusing, it's simple. But that's what you and I have. The call, the invitation. It's a simple invitation. Follow him and he will make us fishers of men. There's a specific invitation to the fishermen, but a general invitation to each and every person that come after. Over the years, we've kind of figured what that really means out. It's, we call it discipleship. It's simply following after Christ. And it's something that each one of us has right in front of us. I love the fact that our church is devoted to God's word. I love the fact that we believe that God's word is inerrant. That means without any errors. It's perfect, it's holy, and it's the word of God that is meant to shape and change who you are to develop you to become who Christ wants us to be. Amen? Amen. Yes. I, I love the fact that our church loves one another. I, I love the fact that, that our church is probably the most friendly place in Oklahoma City and the surrounding area. Amen. I, I love the fact that we receive people and we shake their hands and we hug you, no matter what you smell like. <laughs> There's some middle schoolers there, what? It's all right. I love the fact that we have mature Christians in our church. But before we dive into the specifics about discipleship, I want to have a little time of teaching this morning because I think it's necessary. Not everybody understands discipleship like some of our more mature Christians. And so if you will permit me, I want to to go into a time of teaching and our tech people have hooked me up with this. I really love it. I appreciate all their hard work. This, uh, what you're seeing on the screen here, You guys ready for it? Yeah, good. All right. (laughs) What what you're seeing on the screen here is really a, um, this is the wheel of discipleship that was developed by Jim Putnam. He's written a lot of books about discipleship, but we adapted this wheel uh, for for this purpose this morning. And I wanna go over a little bit about what a disciple really means in Christ. As you see here, there is um, four quadrants. And... In each quadrant is a section of, of who a disciple is. But I want to I bring us really quickly close to, to this right here. Because there's a moment before we are born again that is actually called being dead. Dead in what? Christ. Not in Christ. <laughs> in sin. There you go. Jesus is almost the answer for every question. (laughs) Okay, not dead in Jesus. Okay, dead to Jesus maybe, not dead in Jesus. Dead in sin. And people that are dead have certain characteristics characteristics and qualities about them. It's, It's very simple to understand. If you're dead in sin, then We as Christians can't have any expectation on these individuals to act, think, or do anything with any kind of moral certainty. They're dead. They're not alive in Christ. They don't have the Holy Spirit working in them. They don't have any spiritual fruits. Can I tell you the truth? That as Christians, we have to understand that being a Christian is not about behavior modification. You can't fake it until you make it. You have to have the Holy Spirit come in and inhabit you to breathe you back into life, to make you into a new creation, allow the old things to pass away and behold, he creates something new. It's not about becoming just a little bit better version of yourself. Can can I be honest? Let's get real here, just for a second. A, A second, okay? There are some people that believe that that Christianity is more than just behavior modification. It's becoming a better version of you. And I understand where people are coming from, what they're saying, but if we really think about it, it's that's an Eastern type of philosophy that talks about you know stuff that we really don't believe in. You are dead. Don't become a better version of dead. <laughs> Be something new. In Christ. There's a reason that when we come to Christ, we're radically changed. We turn our back on on all the sin and the shame, the addictions. We turn our back on the old behaviors. Everything is dead to us because we're supposed to put those things aside, not become better at them. Christ's legacy, we're called into life. We're called to be born again. We're called to be something that we're currently not. And as we look at this portion, when we give our life to Christ, what we find out is this section is called infants. Infants. Turn your neighbor, say infant. (laughs) They're not calling you names. Don't worry about it. Don't feel convicted yet. Later on. See, as infants, think about what a baby needs. Infants are new people in Christ, regardless of the age. They don't know much about the Bible. They don't know what what water baptism is. They don't understand about uh, tithing or building funds, uh, turning north. They don't understand these things. They they need people to feed them. They, they, They get into trouble. They stumble into sin. They're slow to repent, but they eventually do. They need Jesus but they don't know how to reach out and ask. They don't know how to pray. They don't know how to do these things. They need us to share our life with them, to walk with them, to mentor them, to help them, to train them. They need us to share the truth of the gospel with them. They need us to share new habits. Can I tell you the truth? That we are called to live a holy life that's different than the life that we left behind. We can't continue the same things that we did and call ourselves Christian. It's like like dressing like a Christian but then not be able to carry the weight of a Christian. And these people need a time that we share with them who they are in Christ to develop an identity of who Christ is and who they were created to be. These people need lots of grace, lots of mercy because they need lots of patience like infants. They take up a lot of resource and a lot of time, but it's worth it. Yes, yes. I can't tell you how many times that I've picked up my, my little baby and thought to myself, oh man, <laughs> are you worth it? But he is, he's worth it. And then as they grow and they mature, we find out that, that we are these, these folks here are called children. Their child. They're learning how to walk and talk. They're learning how to do things, but they're watching. They still rely on teachers. They still rely on, on, um, on people to feed them spiritually. But they're watching. Sometimes they do some really great stuff. And sometimes you walk into the room and they've messed around with mom's lipstick. Okay? They get into messes, but they have awesome days too. They're children, and they need to be connected to the purpose. They need to be connected to a small group of family. They need to be connected to God in a deeper sense. They need, a, they need us as a church to come around them and love them and encourage them to mature in Christ. They need, what is that? Connection. Connection. That's right. But then as they mature in Christ, they, we come to this moment of being a young adult. Don't judge my handwriting. I feel some of you doing that already. I spelled it right. <laughs> and as they, as they develop who they are in Christ, they realize something. They become less self-centered like an infant and a child and more centered on the kingdom, more centered on who God is and what he's done for them and how they can in turn share Christ, his love, compassion with others around them. These people are people that go in and they, they begin to volunteer in, in kids' church. They, they begin to facilitate our small groups. They, they begin to uh, serve in the worship team. They, they, they are interested more than just what is good for them, but how they can share their life with others. They need to be able to share with their life with others, but they need to do it in a way that is in a safe environment to have accountability and love and support and talk it through with somebody that has been down the road a little bit before. They need to be released to do ministry. This is a need that they have. It's not, you have to be perfect in order to minister. You have to be the best in order to minister. No, these people that maybe are young in their relationship with Christ, regardless of their actual age, you can be 18 years old and be a young adult in Christ. You can be 80 years old and be a young adult in Christ. But they need an opportunity to do ministry. They need uh, ministry opportunities. They need to be equipped for ministry. These people are in the process of training to be a minister. No matter what your calling is, we are all called to love people and to bring people to Christ. But then we find out on this quadrant that we have other people. Now some of you might be looking at this thinking, "Well, that's a that's obviously an adult in Christ." Well, you're wrong. This is a parent. And why is this not an adult? Why is it a parent? It's because this is all about spiritual replication. Spiritual reproducing. Now, when we get here, a lot of people say, well, I am an adult, a mature adult. I am a parent in Christ. My, next, my very next question to you is this, who are you discipling? And the reason I ask that question is, is, in order to be a parent, you have to have a disciple. You have to have somebody that you are sharing your life actively with, that you're pouring yourself into that is not giving you anything in return. How are you teaching? How are you preaching? How are you reaching out and working to train people? These are people that say, there's a new young couple. Come on, babe, let's invite them out to eat and share with them a little bit about what God has done for us so we can encourage them. These are people that say, well, I think there's a, there's a, a big event coming up at the church. I'm not just gonna sign up. I'm gonna invite somebody to sign up with me. These are people that are excited and encouraged about our church, even though sometimes they feel alone in our church. They they don't feel like they actually connect. Isn't that weird that you can be the most mature on this cycle of discipleship, but feel like you aren't connecting and don't have a place in our church? That's a normal, natural experience. Let me tell you why. And if you understand this, you'll, you'll get ahead of the game here. The reason why is is simple, because church isn't designed for these people. These people can feed themselves. These people can not only feed themselves, but feed others. These people still have needs, though. They need to have the process of discipleship explained to them and be accountable to other disciples. If you're a parent with kids, some days you just want to be around other parents, and not with other kids, and that's okay. You need adult conversation every now and then. You need to go deeper in God's word. That's good. But you still need to be a parent and mentor and, and love people. These people need to be released to disciple another with your help. And these people need to be released to disciple alone. Now, why? Do they feel like they're not apart sometimes? It's because most of everything that we do at Christ's Legacy and in our churches is, is to try to, is try to love these new disciples, try to bring children into spiritual maturity and cause them to be young adults. And as we look at this, at this model here, Christ's Legacy excels in bringing children into becoming young adults in Christ. And we have this tremendous opportunity to complete the cycle here by bringing up individuals and releasing them into into ministry right here, becoming a parent, so that as as parents, as people that work to develop and love and bring people into the saving knowledge of Christ, that you can go out and win your neighbor, your family member, those kids down the street that just get on your nerves because they're... basketballs running into your driveway all the time. You have the opportunity to bring your coworkers to Christ, to witness to them, to love them. This is an awesome opportunity, Christ's legacy, because we can complete the cycle and become a church that is all about the whole discipleship, Amen? amen? Amen. Yeah, give God the glory for that, yeah. This, this is an awesome opportunity because ultimately each one of us have this, this calling on our life. The same calling that Jesus spoke to Peter and Andrew is the same calling that we respond to to follow me as I follow Christ. In the next few minutes, I'm going to take you very quickly through a message breakdown of, this, of just that line follow me. Uh, Excuse me, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And I'm going to show you how we follow Jesus with our head, how he changes our heart, and how he puts work for our hands to give us an opportunity to serve him. Firstly, we follow Jesus with our head. This invitation allows us to understand that there's two There's two predominant principles here. That Jesus, first of all, is the authority. It's us that are following him. He's the authority. Truth is not subjective. He is the truth. That's the second thing. He is the authority. He is the head. He is the commander. He is the person that we're following. Has anybody ever played follow the leader in here? As a kid's game on the playground. We're supposed to follow the leader. The leader is in the front of the line. We're in the back of the line. Whatever he does or wherever he goes, that's what we do. That's the game that we're playing. That's real life with Christ. Follow the leader. He is the head. He is the truth. John chapter 12, verse 26 tells us, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Can I tell you, it's very clear what we're supposed to do here. We're supposed to follow him, follow him. Some people have this idea that Christianity is like like having a genie in your back pocket. You say a prayer, you accept Jesus into your life and then all of a sudden, if you have a problem in your life, you come to him and say, could you please work it out for me? But it turns out it's not like that at all. As a matter of fact, Jesus tells us that our, our lives are not easy. There, we're promised that we're going to have difficulty, difficult times. But he said he would never leave us nor forsake us. He said that he would be with us the whole way through. But it's going to be challenging. As a matter of fact, it's not just outside the elements, the situation's challenging. it's challenging even within our hearts. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, his followers, us. He says it to us this morning. If anyone desires to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit? is to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give to exchange for his soul? Jesus is warning us here that we're going to encounter problems, difficulties, but we have to give up our own ambitions, our own desires, our own future. We have to give it all up in order to please him, in order to follow after him. It's hard to drop our comfort and pick up that old rugged cross and carry it. But I want you to know this morning that Jesus is enough. He is all we need. He's all we've ever needed. And when we hold on to him and when we cling to that old rugged cross, not only will our sins be washed away, but he will restore us and redeem us and give us a new life and a joy of the Lord. It will come into us in a powerful way and we will be better because of him. Amen? We have to count the cost with our heads first. We have to count the cost with our heads. Secondly, is we, have to, we have to understand that the next line is, and I will make you. And I will make you. This is an issue of our heart. If you know, if, you, if you've been in church for a little while, you've heard of the process of sanctification. This is what that is. It's a, it's, a, it's a heart problem. That Christ comes in as we begin to follow him with our heads and we say, Lord, I will follow you. He says, okay, it's time to get your heart right. We don't get things right first and then come to him. We come to him and then he begins to change who we are from the inside out. He changes us, he reshapes us, he molds us into his image. It's not behavior modification. I've said it now three times. It's about allowing Christ to come inside of who we are and change us from the inside out. It's, it's, not, it's not about figuring things out. It's about allowing the, the love of Christ to penetrate who we are and become something that we haven't ever been. John chapter 15, verse one says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes and it may, that it may bear more fruit. Notice that it doesn't say that the branch cuts itself. It, It doesn't say that the branch just needs to try a little harder that God will literally come and allow life's experiences and situations to mold and shape you with his loving hands. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. He is right there and he is forming you into the person that he wants you to be. When we get into this situation, we feel like that God's mad at us. He's not mad at you. He loves you but he loves you so much that he's not gonna let you stay the way that you are. He's making you into something new. When he prunes us, we tell him thank you. This is a change, not at the surface level, not at our behaviors, but at the deepest level, a heart level. Finally, we come to the last statement. He will make us fishers of men. These last three words, fishers of men. It's where the invitation to follow him with our head, to allow him to change us, I will make you, allow him to change us in our heart. And then it's the culmination of these two things. Fishers of men. We have the wonderful opportunity as maturing Christians to allow God to use us to become his hands to reach out to the least, the last, and the lost with love and compassion, to reach out and to bind the brokenhearted, to touch their lives with the love of Christ that they may join him, that they may give their lives over to Christ. It's it's about compassion. It's about reaching out to our community of people that are going to hell unless you and I Wake up and do what we've been called to do, amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 tells us, for we, you and I, us, the church, are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created to be his hands, to be fishers of men, we should walk around and do good works. It's not good enough just to say that you're a Christian. Don't fall into the trap that you say, well, I'm just gonna live like a Christian in front of everybody. You should do that. But you should reach out with your hands and do something. Invite people to come to church with you. Amen? Amen? Call them and check on them. Love them reach out and invite them to dinner, bring them over to the house, bless their kids so that we can entice them to come to the table of Christ. Amen? See, all of this is a culmination, a decision of the head, a change of the heart and empowerment in our hands so that we can follow him as he makes us fishers of men. We follow Christ, he is the head. We cha- we're changed by Christ in our hearts and we are committed to the mission of Christ. That's our hands. That's our hands. Christ's legacy, that's the mission, that's our goal. The goal of being a disciple of Christ is simple and Paul lays it out in Colossians chapter one, verse 28. Watch this because if you've missed this, you've missed what discipleship is all about. Him, meaning Jesus, we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Perfect in Christ. Every person. It turns out that that's the same Greek word as all. It's all, it's the ones that don't deserve it. It's the ones that haven't earned it. It's the ones that frustrate and aggravate. It's the ones that are militant against Christ. It's the ones that are living next door to you or in the next cubicle across the gas pump that you and I may be equipped in spiritual maturity as parents in discipleship, to reach out to the least, the last, and the lost. Would you stand with me all over this place? Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord, in your precious name, I ask that your Holy Spirit would flood this place Lord, I pray that your conviction would fall on us right now. Lord, that we would look inside of our hearts and our lives, Lord, and, and realize where we fit within the, in the phases, within the, the wheel of discipleship, Lord. Lord, when we be challenged, Lord, to level up, to grow up in you and become parents, become young adults, Lord, move on from infancy to childhood. Lord, even come to you for the very first time. Lord, I pray that you would challenge our hearts this morning. With your head still bowed and eyes still closed, I'm looking all over this room right now, and if you have never given your heart and life to the Lord, or it's been so long that you think you've fallen away from him, I simply want you to lift up your hand. I'm not gonna call you out or embarrass you, but I wanna know that I'm praying with you this morning. Would you just simply slip up your hand and say, Pastor John, you're praying for me right now. You wanna come to the Lord, you wanna give your heart to Christ, you wanna be a disciple, you wanna answer the Lord and say, I will follow you. If that's you, just slip up your hand right now. Thank you, young man, I see you. I'm looking all around. There's one, there's a holy moment, there's one. Looking all over, I wanna come to Christ, amen. Heavenly Father, you see that one hand, Lord. I pray God that you would reach down and touch them, Lord, forgive them of their sins as they repent, Lord. And Lord, let them come after you with the fullness of their heart. Lord, that you would change them and challenge them, Lord, to grow in the knowledge of who you are so that they themselves might become parents spiritually. Hallelujah. All right. I want you just to look up and look all around. Right now, this is simple but it's not easy. The Lord's dealing with your heart. You know where you are on that, on that wheel. And the Lord has said, it's time to grow up. It's time to, it's time to do something new. It's time to t- step out of the comfort zone, put on the rucksack and start marching. If that's you, I just want, simply want you to step out Beginning to come down to the altar and, and, and go after the Lord. L- listen, we have time. It's not even time to let out yet. So, would you just begin to come and respond to the moving and the pleading of the Lord right now? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Finally, you're sitting in the seats. You know where God has called you to be. You know your spiritual maturity, you're doing everything that you can within discipleship to move forward, to grow in Christ. Would you right now move forward and begin to pray with those people down here and also commit yourself to continuing to be a disciple that Christ is going to use to empower your hands and minister to people. Would you come right now, begin to pray and commit yourself to Christ? Hallelujah.